0: You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter box. Welcome to episode 55 of the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Thank you to all our local listeners out there for sharing and retweeting. We appreciate the support. Today, we are joined by whom I would consider is a local legend. There's a lot of people that I respect in the baseball community around the Dubuque area, but none more than our next guest, Connor Klosterman. Now to give Connor's background here, he is currently the Northern State University grad assistant. He played baseball at Upper Iowa and DMAC, but you will know him as one of the most feared hitters in Beckman baseball history. As he's shaking his head and rolling his eyes. And the man that had to fill Tom Jink Jr.'s shoes at third base. We welcome Connor Klosterman to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast.
1: Hey, Coach. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. I am excited for this one, and I
0: haven't done an interview in a long long time so i might be rusty but i am excited to have you on board so ceremonial first pitch here how does it even come about that after coach jinx stepped away due to his health concerns that they handed over third base duties to you because you were still a young kid at that time
1: yeah so i at that point i only had um one year of coaching experience i coached one year of freshman baseball. So, you know, not necessarily probably the the prototypical guy for that role. Um, but after Coach Jank um, was diagnosed and, and things were going down, um, I talked with Coach Martin and and he kind of expressed that he wanted me to, you know, kind of take this role and, and help out the program in that way. So I was, I was all hands on deck. I just wanted to do whatever needed to be done to try to regain any sense of normalcy even though that was going to be pretty much impossible during that season so so we kind of went with it and and kind of you know did a a two-man crew so to say kind of a co-coach type of thing and and just tried to try to do the best we could so
0: and uh we, we did you in well at one year of freshman. I think you probably played me about yeah. three or four times and you don't get to face too many great coaches like me at the freshman <laughs> level,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a doubleheader that that was tough for us. I I'm sure the the players after the game were uh pretty afraid of what I had to say about that doubleheader. So I,
0: I can't even remember how that one turned out so many games, but, um, yeah, judging yeah. by how you reacted, I'm guessing you <laughs> probably swept you guys.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. It was, uh, it was in Upworth too. I can't even remember where it was. It was, that was a tough day. Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, what made you qualified for that role? Do you remember how old you are when they offered that to you?
1: I was 19 years old. Um, and to be honest, probably nothing qualified me for that job as far as, um, experience in baseball stuff went. Um, I was really close with coach Jenkin and, and that, and that probably helped. Um, I knew that he trusted me, uh, to do the job and I used that trust as kind of confidence for myself. And I just went into it knowing that I wasn't going to be perfect. And I just tried to do the best I could to help the group of guys we had, and we just kind of rolled with it.
0: You know, I think about the coaches in, in the area, and it's all about surrounding themselves with uh, good people, and you are definitely a person that if I were to ever be in charge of a program, you would be on the top of my list for people to bring in and, and have you just do what you do with very little oversight from me because I would trust you and everything that I would need you to do. What guidance did coach Jink and coach Fred Martin give you when you took over that new role?
1: Yeah. So coach Martin has always kind of, he's worked with the offense too, but he's always been really big on pitching. Um, So it kind of worked in that regard where he kind of stuck with the pitchers and then we worked together as far as offense and things. And, uh, as far as, you know, tips and stuff from Coach Jenk, you know, he always had the utmost confidence in any player or any coach in his program, whether you were the most talented and best player or whether you were maybe not very good. Um, he always made you believe in yourself and that you could, you know, do anything he set your mind to. So basically his his kind of deal to me was just go out there and, and just be yourself and don't put pressure on yourself. And, you know, I, I knew the game. To an extent at that point, probably not as well as, you know, maybe your seasoned varsity coach did. But I I had enough motivation and enough confidence in myself to to think that I could do a pretty decent job with the kids we had. And so that's what I did. I just came to work every day with confidence and just tried to, you know, help our guys win.
0: And even though you didn't have the coaching experience one year at the freshman level where I took it to you a couple times, but you did <laughs> you did play uh, high-level baseball at DMac in Upper Iowa, yeah. and that, that transfers there. And, you know, in the third-base coach's box, I mean, every coach has their philosophy on, on how they want to do things, if they want to run, hit and run, bunt, and just getting a judge of the arms in the outfield. So I don't want to say that. It's it's an easy job to take, but but baseball people um, that follow and watch and have played a lot of baseball can make that transition into the third base coach's box. Now I was watching some news articles last night, and I saw the first game that Beckman played without Coach Jink, and the news was there, and there's a video of Coach Jink at the game, and pretty much he's sitting outside of the fence, literally in the third base's coach's box, as close as you can get without actually (laughs) being on the field. So how did it feel that first time you stepped into the third base coach's box knowing that he was watching over you from the stands?
1: So at that point in time, obviously I was only 19, so there were some guys on our team that during high school I was pretty decent buddies with. Um, And I remember I was the most nervous I've probably ever been in my entire life as far as baseball events go for that first game when he wasn't there. Um, And Sam Stelkin, who was uh, an outfielder for us at the time, he was a senior, he came up to me, he's like, dude, you gotta relax, like, this is just a game, right? And I was like, you're crazy, man, like. Uh, our head coach who's been here for 43 years. Like he's not coaching like this is, there's so many things changing in such a small window of time. So that first inning, we were actually playing Hempstead at commercial club, um, which our games with Hempstead are normally always really competitive and some really good games. So we had a pretty packed crowd and Hempstead always travels pretty well. So, um, it was a good atmosphere. And that first inning, I actually didn't go in the coach's box. I, I stayed in the dugout. So there was nobody in the coach's box for the whole inning. Um, and I did that for a few reasons. Number one, um, I wanted to pay respect to him and kind of let him know that I'm not taking his job. Like this is his spot. This is his area. This isn't mine now just because he can't physically be there. Um, and number two, it was just a thing where I just wanted to, you know, pay respect and just, you know, make sure that people knew where I stood on things. So it was just, it was a surreal moment in a lot of different ways. Um, and at the end of the day it was you know it was it was good for me as far as coaching and experience but it was it was uh it was pretty uh emotional so
0: yeah and i have never heard that story about you leaving it vacant or open it reminds me of a couple years ago there was a basketball team where a player had passed away and they only played four guys at the start of the game and. Washington Redskins safety Sean Taylor passed away many years ago when he was their starting safety I'm sorry the Washington football team please right. don't, please don't email me complaining <laughs> about that the Washington football team and they they did a play or two without uh, Sean Taylor at safety with with 10 guys now we're going to fast forward a little bit but then we are going to go back to that season but after coach jink passes what emotions were going through you when he had passed and then how do you take over that spot permanently after he's gone what emotions what feelings are, are going through you
1: so obviously you know we were holding out hope for some time you know just knowing coach Jink, he was kind of a bigger than life person at least that's how he seemed to me um so we were holding out hope that he was gonna you know overcome adversity and beat this thing turns out um, wasn't so lucky so obviously that that hurt quite a bit um, and, you know and just being there for coach Martin who's a guy that was his assistant for about twenty years you know making sure that that I'm there for him because you know as far as adjustments go um, he probably you know suffered the brunt of that if that makes sense he was the guy who had to to change the most and you know, he was thrown into some things as far as the head coaching roles with computers and, you know, all these things that are kind of modern stuff that he doesn't really do. Um, So I had to help him out with that kind of stuff and and just kind of help him with all the evolution that was going on. And and as a community, Dyersville and Beckman, there's just a lot of really good people there. And and so they kind of help you and, and bring you through these tough times. So I didn't I knew, like I said, I knew Coach Jank, thought I was, you know, right for the job, I guess, and had confidence in me, so I I went into that next season still knowing that he believed in me, and that just kind of propelled me throughout my career as coach at Beckman.
0: A couple things you mentioned. Uh, You mentioned that Fred Martin is not very good with computers or or technology. I did have some Beckman fans reach out to me and say, hey, how come you never did a season preview on Beckman? Well, guys, I'm going to tell you I did. I did. I reached, I reached out to Beckman, but um, with the pandemic, uh, Fred and I weren't able to connect in person, and yep. Connor didn't want to do that uh, season preview. So uh, I did reach out to them, but then also, you know, you mentioned Coach Jink and, and his adversity and his strong willpower and and i had met him a couple times when i was the varsity assistant at Hempstead. how coaches talk before and after games but i think the chance that i really got to talk to him was at a game a freshman game and i believe you were coaching and you and i were talking before the game and and coach jink had come out on the field and talked to both of us and the three of us were talking, it was almost like we had, we had known each other for 20 or 30 years. And, and it was just great to pick his brain and, and vice versa. And, you know, uh, co- awesome conversation just about baseball and just about some of the things going on in the community and that. Now, you were on the coaching staff that won the state championship before Coach Jink had passed and he actually watched that game from the press box at the uh, Iowa Cubs Stadium, Principal Park. Now, as a coach, what's your mindset going into that season with you and Fred Martin?
1: Um, that's a great question. Um, I myself, you know, we, we went into the year, we had some you know, really good players. We had Jackson Bennett, who was an All-Stater, and CJ McDermott, who was an All-State player, and Riley Legrand, who, if memory serves, he was the captain of the 2A All-State team, I believe. And um, Sam Stelkin, who was really good. We we just had a lot of really good players. Joel Vasky. Um, so I, when we're going into the season, I felt, you know, regardless if we win state or not, we're going to have a good year. You know, we're going to have a good season. We're going to win a lot of games. And we're at least going to be in the position to go to the state tournament, which is kind of our goal every year. So, um, yeah, I, I like I said, I didn't feel a ton of pressure, and and we just kind of let the boys play, as the adage goes. Um, you know, as far as practice, everything stayed loose, and we were free and easy, and and just tried to let them go out and and show off their talent and showcase their skills, and and kind of let the results fall where they're going to fall.
0: What message did you and Fred pass along to the players?
1: So, that whole season was kind of a whirlwind, you know. So, f- Fred was just trying to in as many ways as possible just keep things going as as they kind of have been in the past um, we still did our normal indoor stuff in went in the winter months um, practice was pretty much set up the same we had some other assistants at that time as you talked to um, dylan slattery um he was around still and jimmy bach instead who was our sophomore coach for a number of years. So there was still a lot of people in the program that knew kind of how things were done and how we expect things to be done. So they were a huge help in in keeping things going and and keeping us afloat. Um, But it, it, like you said, kind of earlier, it it took a team effort and it took all of us to all of us four coaches to kind of come together and replace the one that we lost. Um, That's kind of the impact that he had on our program. So, um, yeah, it was just a team effort and and thankfully it ended, you know, kind of a storybook ending like everybody knows.
0: Yeah, that was a was a storybook ending. Now I asked Jackson Bennett this question and and he was unable <laughs> to answer it, but if they This question had me
1: laughing. I know what question this is. Uh, what, so... <laughs> what question do you think I'm going to ask you? It's if there's a movie what what actor's going to play him. Yeah, who who laughing. would who
0: would play you? A young a young Bradley Cooper maybe?
1: That's what I, you know, I was I was out mowing and I was doing some podcasting and and that question came up in his interview. And I thought to myself, there is a movie. Who's going to play me? And I thought, you know, Bradley Cooper came up, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, you know, I got to find a, a decent looking guy to, to kind of fill that. Yeah, so. of
0: course, you're going with all the amazing, <laughs> attractive men in, 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 in Hollywood. You, you, know who I th- you know who I think would have played a great uh, Tom Jink Jr. would be Jeff Bridges.
1: Oh sure, and, yep. and if you've ever, they kind seen, of look alike too. Yeah, and if you've ever yeah.
0: seen the movie yeah. Crazy Heart, if you've ne- it mm-hmm. audience, if you've never seen Crazy yeah. Heart, it's about a broken down country singer. It's it's a phenomenal movie. Go and check out that yep. movie. Great movie. But I was yeah. watching that movie it the is. other night for about the seventieth time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he kind of looks like Tom Jink Jr. <laughs> and you know, it was That's leading a, this interview. Yeah now well, that's a
1: that's a good that's a good point
0: in 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 baseball they they call it the dog days of August now I know in all of my years of coaching you always have points or moments in the season where you just need to go back to the drawing board and and you need to scrap some things. It's very rare you have a season where everything just goes perfectly and everything goes as planned. Were there any moments in that season where it felt like it it was falling apart?
1: Honestly, not really, you know. Like I said, we had a pretty talented squad, and and they were all really close um, and good teammates, good dudes at practice, and they always worked hard. And they were they were just good guys to have around and be around. And there wasn't really any moments where like anything was felt like it was going wrong. Um, and if there was, that I'm not remembering. If there was any, the the players kind of police that themselves, especially on that team. We had a lot of. A lot of seniors um, that were good players and good teammates that, that did that policing and just kind of, you know, kept everything, you know, kind of smooth. So I, I would say no, there wasn't really. Now Besides when, not having Coach Jink, that was, the you know, that was the big one.
0: And, and were there any moments in the season that stand out to you where you guys just hit your stride and things were firing on all cylinders and you knew that this team had a great chance of, of winning the state tournament?
1: Yeah, so we we finished the regular season. I think we had we were like 26 and 11. So we had a pretty solid year and playing in the Wamac for us. Um, we're the only 2A team in the league, so we're playing 3A and at that time, what's going be was in our league as well. So you know 3A 4A competition. Um, so we felt like we were prepared and I felt that as soon as we got through sub-state and we were in the state tournament, I, I just thought to myself, this thing is ours to lose basically. You know, we had the pitching, we had the offense, we clearly, you know, most obviously had the motivation and it just felt like um, this was kind of our thing to lose. So I think the the guys kind of took that to heart. They wanted to win it for Coach Jank, and we all did, but they also um, were able to go out and play loose and free, which speaks a lot to them because that's a pretty tall task for a 17 or 18 year old kid to put that amount of pressure on yourself to try to win something for such a, a cause bigger than themselves. And, and they did a great job. And you had
0: shared that you were a young kid at that time and some of the kids that you were coaching, you were friends with. Now, was it hard to balance that would you guys still hang out together on the weekends or after games or were (laughs) you strictly coach and stayed away from those guys? And then as soon as the season was over, you were able to reconnect as friends.
1: Yeah. So there, there was a mutual respect there. You know, there's, you know, a few guys, like I said, that were on the team. Um, Sam Stelkin, I I played with him, and I'm really good friends with him. Riley LeGrand, we played together in high school. Um, And just some of those other guys, Jackson was on the team, CJ McDermott. So, you know, those guys are are all good friends of mine. And, you know, so it was kind of semi-awkward at first, but I kind of sat down with some of those seniors and some guys that, you know, honestly weren't that much younger than me, and I just – You know, we just had an honest conversation about the situation we were in. And I think after that, there was kind of a mutual respect there where when we're between the lines and and we're doing things baseball wise that, you know, I'm your coach and and you're the player and that's how it's going to kind of go. But outside the field and stuff, you know, we're we're back to, you know, normalcy. But, you know, there has to be some sense of of leadership here. So we kind of had that conversation.
0: Have you ever been a guest on a podcast before?
1: This is my first time. You
0: you are doing a great job because they say the more name drops, the more people that listen and that share. And you have probably name dropped about fifty people so far that are going <laughs> to retweet this on Twitter at Coach Manaman. So thanks for doing no, that, Connor. You are a no pro <laughs> Andrew Redman, and watch Do out. Can. We might have a new co-host coming for your job, pal. <laughs> you keep skipping out on these interviews to go play semi-pro. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Now, now Connor, you were at Beckman a total of nine years as a player and as a coach. What are some of the memories that stand out to you the most?
1: You know, there's so many, um, you know, actually over the course of the nine years, um, we actually ended up winning three state titles and we were in another one. So four state title appearances in in that time frame. Um, I can kind of tip my cap to that and Obviously, I'm not the only guy involved with that. There's a ton of other dudes um, that had a ton to do with that. And if you want me to do some more name dropping, I will. You got <laughs> Nate, Nate Stager was a tremendous player and a guy I kind of studied from as a freshman and Robbie Onstetter and Joey Lehman and Ian Ross and a lot of guys that you see still playing semi-pro in the Dubuque County area, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, there's just so many memories. Um, practice was so much fun with Coach Shank. you know. He always found a way to just keep it loose and easy and free. And we had so much fun. And I just think the relationships with the guys and the lifelong friendships um, you make through sports, um, I think that's kind of the, the thing that stands out most to me. It's not so much, you know, winning and losing school, winning state titles is, is a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, um, it's about people. And if you can make lifelong relationships and, and make some friends and, and, you know, make connections, that's that's what it's about.
0: And winning all those state tournaments is is quite a feat. Do you have any regrets from your playing or coaching careers that you'd like to have a do over on?
1: Oh wow! Uh, Well, for my coaching career, I'm sure there's a a handful of times where you know maybe if we run this bunk coverage instead of that one, or steal here instead of not stealing, you know maybe some games have some different um, some different results, but, Certain you know, at the end of the end day,
0: worth maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Freshman. That's my biggest regret. Your biggest
0: regret is losing to me in a freshman <laughs> game, huh? That sounds about right. That's a pretty good career. if That's your biggest regret.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, um, you, you can't have regrets in life really. Um, you just got to put your best foot forward and have confidence in what you're doing and, and how you went about it. So, um, I'm sure I could look back and, and maybe say I could have trained a little harder at times or, or done some different things, but at the end of the day, it is what it is, and what's done is done, and just got to move forward.
0: Then after Beckman, you uh, took your talents to Mac and then to Upper Iowa Baseball, which um, Iowa, Upper Iowa is, is a D2 school. Now, I always said that when I coach at the varsity level and when I've watched a lot of varsity baseball. You're one of the most feared hitters that I've ever seen. I mean, you would get hits off us at Hempstead when we would flash the umpire four fingers to say we were going to just intentionally walk you. You still somehow found a way to get base hits. But were any Division One schools looking at you? I mean, I, I, that just this just shows that I would not yeah. be a good college coach or a college recruiter <laughs> because if I was for a Division One school, I would have built my program around you. I thought you were that good, and I'm yeah. not just—I'm not just, I'm not just uh, you know blowing smoke because you're a guest <laughs> here. I truly feel that way about you as a player and as a coach.
1: Well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words, um, but secondly, um, so I kind of went to DMac with that thought in mind that. Um, you know, I had some other D2 offers out of high school and a lot of the Iowa D3s and some other JUCOs in Iowa. Um, but I felt like at the end of the day, I wanted to give myself the best chance to play at the highest level. And I felt like by doing so, um, JUCO was the best route for me. So I went to Mac, had two awesome years there, made a ton of great friends, actually ended up playing for three different coaches um, in my time there. Um, So kind of an interesting ride in a sense. Um, But like I said, I wanted to play at the highest level. And there was a few um, different schools at some times that were talking to me um, that were at kind of that D1 level. Um, But I just at the end of the day, I just didn't play good enough in my sophomore season to really warrant them, you know, taking a chance on me, regardless of what kind of exit velocities I put together or what, you know, anything I did. Um, so I ended up going to Upper Iowa, um, and, and I loved it there. Um, I spent three years there. I had to redshirt one year, um, and I just had a great time. I love Fayette, as weird as that sounds. It's a tiny town. Um, nothing to do there, but, you know, you make a lot of good friends, and, and it was uh, some of the best years of my life for spending at Upper Iowa. So I wouldn't change anything about that about that for the world.
0: Now, when you reflect on DMACC and and Upper Iowa, what are some of those good times that stand out to you? during your baseball career
1: so kind of in in my path you know as far as baseball you know in high school you you got your bus rides and stuff but they're not you know there may be an hour you know they're nothing too crazy um and then as far as like travel ball we never really played you know too far out of the state um so when I got to college that was my first real experience of like playing you know we played in Oklahoma we played in deep in Missouri um you know, we went all these places and it was just kind of cool to get out and play some other guys from different places. And and I had the opportunity to play with some really good, really good players at DMACC. Um I'm going to name drop again. Jake Adams from from uh, the University of Iowa. He set the uh, I think he has the college home run record for a single season. Um, he was my roommate at DMac, so had a really fun year with him. Um, and then you just meet other guys along the way. Um, I know Derek Laurence wanted a shout-out, so I'm going to give it to him right here. Um, We played together in high school and played against each other in college, and you you just meet so many good people in the game that it's just fun to get out and and compete against those guys.
0: And if you are hearing your name shouted out, please do us a favor when this episode goes live, retweet it. and. I finally know how to say Derek Lawrence's last name. I believe I've said his (laughs) name on the podcast multiple times, and I have butchered it every single time. But he's got an interesting story. I need to reach out to him, have him as a guest on the podcast as well. Yes, you do. Now, your senior season was cut short due to COVID. Is that correct?
1: That is correct, yep.
0: Now, what goes through a player's head, especially being a senior, when their season... Because they always say, your season is always going to end with a loss, but you always want to end it on a win, which the only way you can do that is by winning a championship. So when your season comes to an end with a win, a loss, or a draw, um, how does that... How, how does that uh, make you feel? And and other players, what are what's their mindset or state of mind when they go through something like that?
1: So, it was kind of a, an interesting situation for me because I had to redshirt my my true senior year, so my fourth year in college, I redshirted. Um, was having some health issues and some weird stuff going on. Um, so my fifth year, I came back. Um, and I was kind of looking forward to, you know, kind of your your last go around. You know, I knew this was going to be it. Um, and I graduated in December. So I had my undergrad and, you know, and I started some master's courses and I knew I wanted a G.A. in the future. So once our season kind of ended um, as far as covid and everything, I kind of knew pretty shortly after that that I was going to be done. Um, it was a really tough decision and one I wouldn't want anyone to be forced to make really um but you know talking with some guys and there's some other fifth year guys too and you know it's just it it was a challenging decision and and I knew I wanted a GA and continuing master's courses at Upper Iowa wouldn't have allowed me to to have that opportunity and to to kind of intern in a sense in college coaching um so I wanted to do that and And I don't and I don't say this in any derogatory way towards college baseball because I because I loved it so much, but I kind of wanted to to get on with my life in a sense. You know, I I felt like I I proved I needed to prove, Uh, you know, I didn't have anything left, you know, to to prove as far as me personally or or my playing career. So I wanted to kind of lay that to rest and, and get into coaching, which is something I'm I'm really passionate about
0: and you do a fantastic job at what you do so there was never any inkling of i'm going to take basket weaving 101 and underground <laughs> uh, underground um synchronized swimming and uh you know ballroom dancing so you could play that yeah. last senior year was there
1: i i gave it a little bit of thought but at the end of the day like i said i knew i wanted to coach so
0: yeah now, your dad actually reached out to me on Twitter. Is your dad's name Doug?
1: That is my father.
0: Yep. And he said he said uh, he's a pr- he's a proud dad. I'm not sure if he's proud of your accomplishments as a player and as a coach, or proud that you're a guest on the Dubuque Area Baseball <laughs> Podcast. I'm not sure which one that's big time. I'd have to that's, ask him. Ask him, to ask, ask him. Ask him because him. we just hit twelve thousand plays before we logged on here. So this Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast is no joke. <laughs> It's and no uh, joke, people man. are finally taking everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, seriously here after 22 years in the business. That's right. But, uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> hey, you, you would have hired me at Beckman, right? I could have been the third assistant, right?
1: You a shooing, <laughs> man. You are shooing.
0: <laughs> now, your dad wants to know, and a lot of people want to know, but what has been your best moment as an athlete,
1: Wow. That's uh, my best moment as an athlete. Um, You know, I've talked a lot about relationships and and things like that throughout the podcast as far as reflecting on baseball and my playing career. Um, You know, baseball has always been kind of a family thing, kind of a family function. You know, a lot of kids when they're growing up, they go camping and they go to water parks or they do this or that. But when I was growing up, I played baseball. That's all I did all the time, every time, whether it was by myself or with the neighborhood kids or with my dad, you know, with my brother, um, I played baseball. And I think it was a really cool way for my dad and I and my brother to, to bond um, and to grow closer to one another um, when we were growing up. And, and so that's probably my favorite moment is just, you know, the time spent with my dad and my brother and just playing a game we all love. And and just, you know, engulfing ourselves in this crazy sport and, and having a lot of fun.
0: Now you're a grad assistant at Northern State University. What, what led you there?
1: So um, I connected with my, my junior college head coach, uh, David Pearson, who is actually now the assistant at North Dakota State um, for baseball. And um, we were kind of talking, and he knew I wanted to GA, so he told me to reach out to, to Dean Barry, who's the head coach at Northern State. Um, so I emailed him and he got back to me shortly thereafter. And, and one thing led to another, I visited campus in late May and, and accepted the job in June. So it was kind of a quick process, but it, um, it was a good one.
0: What are you going to be studying?
1: I am a sport performance and leadership major, or I don't do you call it a major when you're a master's student. I'm not hundred percent sure. Uh, that's why I'm a master's student. Cause I'm so intelligent.
0: I, um, I, I, called, I called my master's a pay raise. There you go. So there
1: you go. <laughs> yeah. Nick, when, so, you, when you get a, so. when
0: you get a master's in, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I can tell, I can tell you how much it's worth a year. But <laughs>
1: That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're, and you're good. You're good to be doing it young because it, it, it pays for itself after its first couple of years. What are you going to be doing with the baseball program?
1: So, I've kind of settled in here. this is uh tomorrow will be my second week um as of the recording of this podcast um but I'll be working with the offense um and the hitters, and then I'll be working with the outfielders will be my two responsibilities and then on top of that, I'll be recruiting so. Um, kind of recruiting all over the Midwest, both high school and junior college kids. So that'll be my two primary roles.
0: Well, make sure you're tuning into the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast because college coaches have been listening to this and have been Most uh, certainly. reaching out to me about some players, which I never imagined would have happened. Two things I want to talk about before we uh, hit that podcast ending double play here. Now, this year was a different year for the semi-pro circuit um what what stood out to you this year uh, on the semi-pro circuit
1: um so kind of hit me right away we're we're playing our first tournament game over in bellevue against farley and and we're waiting for the the game before us to get done and i think it was worthington and maybe Rickardsville, I I can't remember. But I just, all I know is that the guys I was watching could really play. And that stood out um, over the course of the entire summer, whether or not the the regulars, so to say, of the teams were, were playing that given night. There was always really good players around. And I think in a lot of ways COVID potentially helps this league because it showed a lot of guys that maybe don't play normally that it's a pretty good league and it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's competitive and guys really want to win and it's just a good league all around, so I think like I said, in a lot of ways it'll it might help the league um, moving forward.
0: Yeah, I watched a news story. It was the first baseball tournament that was played, and the news interviewed a family that had traveled from Chicago to Bellevue just because they wanted to watch live baseball and wow. they had they had no idea who who yeah. they were rooting for but they wanted yeah. to watch live baseball so they drove from <laughs> Chicago to Bellevue, Iowa just to watch baseball and, and they uh, even commented on how there were a lot of great players that were playing in the area now your brother Cole is the manager of the Dyersville Whitehawks and they're actually playing right now in the yep. championship which I'm surprised you're not at but um, they had a little bit of a resurgence this year what made it such a remarkable summer for the White Hawks?
1: Um, I think he kind of touched on this kind of in the preseason interview. Go back and listen. Um, to we just to had, it. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go back and listen to it. Yeah, um, but he kind of touched on how this summer he felt like we were going to have nine or ten guys day in day out that were going to be there for our team, and that rang true throughout the summer. Um, we had a lot of you know good players this year. Um, And we just found ways to win. We had enough arms. We had Austin Savory, who pitched a ton, and C.J. McDermott. Um, And we had some kind of guys out from left field. You know, we had Nick and uh, T.J. Wegman out from New York. Um, Their dad went to Beckman and and played Triple-A. Uh, for the Mets, and they came out. They're cousins with Joel Vasky and they played with us a little bit, and it was just a fun summer. We just had, you know, a good team, and we happened to win a few tournaments and, and do some things, so it, it was fun.
0: You guys had a couple guys playing, too, that made the Dubuque Area Baseball podcast all-decade team. Uh, T.J. Deerdorf was playing as well, and it seemed like sure. all of the prep stars that starred at either Hempstead, Wallert, Senior, Western Dubuque, a lot of them had made their, their way to Dyersville. Now, yeah. Connor, I can't let you go without asking you this question, because I know it's been on the mind of everybody. So <laughs> you've talked about college and yeah. wanting to coach at the college level. Do you think your time at Beckman is over? Any any chance we see you dust off that Beckman uniform and make a return to the coaching ranks for Beckman Catholic?
1: You know, never say never. Um, but right now I'm just really focused on kind of proving myself as far as college coaching goes and diving into that. So like I said, never say never, but who knows? We'll see.
0: Connor? It's awesome having you on. I people when they listen to this are probably going to think that you and I have known each other for years and that we've been friends for the longest we, time. We
1: have known each other for years. Your team kicked my team's rear five years ago in a doubleheader. <laughs> I, think I, I lose sleep over that doubleheader. I'm thinking about it for years.
0: Yeah, that's your that's your biggest regret uh, from your time at Beckman. But. Really, you know, you and I just we talk whenever we see each other at at the baseball field, but it just goes to show um, how admirable of a guy you are and and how good of a coach you are and and how you do uh, build those relationships. I know that whenever I got my schedule, I would always circle um, the games that I was really looking forward to and Beckman was always one of the first ones that I would circle and it wasn't because you'd have your varsity players umping behind home plate that would squeeze the <laughs> strike zone for my pitchers uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't any of that it was just my chance to um, be able to to reconnect with you and and I sincerely mean this that you are. One of my favorite people that I've ever met in 22 years of of coaching and playing baseball in the area. And I wish you nothing but the best in all of your future endeavors and hope the next time you do make it back to the Dubuque, Iowa area, you reach out to me and we can uh, hang out once this COVID passes us and, and talk some more baseball. 100%
1: thank you so much for having me on really appreciate it
0: awesome six four three we're out of here
1: post game show is brought to you by
0: Christ I can't find it the hell with it thank you for listening to the Dubuque area baseball podcast you can find us on social media Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts,
1: give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.